0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome, Cheeks Kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Sagner here with RKJ. Another week, another frustrating loss for these Kansas City Chiefs, and another batch of your questions, trying to figure out what went wrong. Ron, how you feeling today? I was not, I was not, uh, you or getting ready. I was not ready to get used
0: to this, I guess. Uh, I thought, I thought it was going to be a one-time thing. I thought we are going to have a lot more victory Mondays. Yep. And, uh, I'm sure you guys agree listeners and you guys started off with some, some, uh, some good questions. Uh, JT at JT Coles on Twitter. My question is WTF question <laughs> mark. I think we're all thinking that. <laughs> uh that's jeff not g off yeah jeff not g off on twitter at jeff parse why does everything hurt i think that's another great question and then we 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 got to have the overreaction questions right guys the uh hand sanitizer at han solo han sanitizer probably Han solo 25563981 omg one and two what are we the lions i am this close to burying my gear and following hockey wow Stags, uh, are you are you going to be switching over to the hockey game? Even though it's not in season, I don't know what the what the trade off is there. But uh, are we uh, are we following hockey now, Stags?
1: You know, I get it. I understand Chiefs fans. I know we've been through a lot over the last fifty years of our fandom here. And for those of you that have been around a while, we've seen this before. So it's not that I don't have empathy for for everybody struggling out there. Um, You can hear it in our voices. We're frustrated, too. This is definitely not how we wanted to start the season. But come on. Three games into the season, you can't start burying or burning in effigy and calling the Chiefs the Lions. (laughs) Really, the Lions? That's one of the only franchises that's been through worse in in their history. Uh, I get it. There, this Chiefs team, though, is just as close to 3-0 and as they are to 0-3. There have been three tough games, three games that could have gone either way based on a handful of plays. Here we sit 1-2. and two. It's not where you want to be, but it's week three. Yep,
0: and we've seen these Andy Reid teams really succeed in September. And it's really just weird to see them not succeed in September, but there's always a bad stretch from an Andy Reid team in the season. It happens every single year, even when they're winning. Like last year, there was there was a there was a pretty ugly stretch of play down the down the end of the season. I think we could all agree. And so it is it is kind of it is kind of funny to to kind of overreact like this. Uh, but I think that's just part of being a fan. And and we appreciate you guys sending in your questions. We're gonna get to another one right now and start getting deep more into this game. Uh, you know, real quick, just to just to say it. So in case you missed it somehow. The Chiefs did lose to the Chargers, thirty to twenty-four, Arrowhead in Week Three. Chargers improved to two and one. Chiefs are one and two. Uh, Chiefs are last place in the AFC West by themselves. Uh, but to get specifically into this game, let's start. Let's start uh, playing the blame game a little bit. Uh, from Learn Black History at Don's Politics on Twitter, he asks, "Do you blame the offense or the defense?" I think he's meaning for this game specifically. Me personally, it's the offense can't have. He says five turnovers. I, I think it's just four. Uh, if I, I, I believe it's just four. But Stags, just give me a little bit. Just give me a, probably a minute or two. I'm just going to kind of go on a little bit of a rant. Hopefully not too big a rant. Um, but here's the thing, guys. I'm going to preface this by saying the defense has not been great. It's not been good. It's, it's been bad. The defense is bad. No doubt about it. There's been no pass rush. Linebackers have been pretty crap without Willie Gay secondary, especially yesterday, was could not cover a single person. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen terrorized the secondary. That's all true. The defense has not been good. They need to be better. That said, we should never have expected the defense to carry this team. The defense should not be winning this team games. And it just seems like some of us are kind of expecting that for whatever reason. We are an offensive juggernaut. This is an offensive team. This is a team that needs to be carried by the offense. You have supposedly the best quarterback in the entire NFL. You have supposedly the best play caller in the NFL. You have supposedly the best wide receiver, the best tight end in the NFL. That should result in more wins in these late game situations, not four turnovers, not in a stretch of series between the Ravens game and the the Chargers game, five turnovers in six series. That's crazy. That's insane. So real quick, let's break it down real quick on the defense. They allowed a season low in first downs, total yards, and only 77 rushing yards yesterday. To start the game, they forced a three and out. Guess what the offense does on the next drive? Interception. The next drive, the defense forces another punt. The offense gets the ball at the 50-yard line and then fumbles it and gives the ball back. And eventually, obviously, they score a touchdown. The offense fumbled on third possession, too. Okay, the defense played pretty well at the beginning of the game. First drive of the second half, they forced a three and out. Last, obviously, week one, it didn't matter because the defense forced an interception. Good on them. But they had a chance to seal the game with three minutes left, and they, and they had to punt. Week two, they fumbled the ball away out by, with Clyde. And then obviously this week, with two minutes and 14 seconds left, they get the ball tied. All they need is a field goal. They could just wind down the clock, get a field goal. Touchdown be awesome. They can't even get three plays without throwing an interception. This is where I'll come off the soapbox. I just want to get that ran out. But I just cannot imagine, I could not fathom watching that game yesterday and thinking that the defense needed to do more to help and win that game. The defense did everything you could expect against a good Chargers offense, one of the best young quarterbacks in the entire NFL. And they the offense could not get it done. They need to. They are an offensive juggernaut and they need to finish these games more. Staggs will hand it off to you. Is there anything you want to react on that on that sense of blaming the, the offense more for this loss than the defense?
1: Whew, take a deep breath, Ron. Take a bow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly that. That's exactly how I feel about it. If you if I told you before this game that the Chiefs would hold the, the Chargers to seventy seven yards rushing on a three and a half per carry average, Justin Herbert would have under three hundred yards passing, um, and the Chiefs would run for one hundred eighty six yards on six point two yards per carry. You you would think that the Chiefs win this game nine times out of ten, if not more. And I thought this tweet from Matt Derrick yesterday. I just saw it pop up my timeline again. And, it, and it's, if you read this tweet with no other context, not knowing how this game ended, what do you think would have happened? Matt Derrick says, it's 24-24. to 24. The Chiefs' red zone nightmare is over. They held a team to a field goal. Very timely defense. Patrick Mahomes now has 2.14 left to win the game. You would feel pretty good about where this game ended up. Uh, if you give Patrick Mahomes the ball back with 2.14 left on the clock, they weren't out of timeouts. They weren't in a rush. Uh, they literally just turned the ball over and, and gave this one away. It happens. I hate to see it happen two weeks in a row, but I, I don't know what we expect from this team coming into this season. You know, A lot of people will point to the final score and say, well, the Chargers scored 30. This is a, another week where they gave up more than 30 points. They wouldn't have scored 30 had the – <laughs> Mahomes not throwing an interception with two minutes less than two minutes left in the game. They, that should have been the drive that ended the game this week, just like there should have been a drive that ended the game last week. Uh, both of those games should have ended up dramatically differently. Um, and it's all based on untimely turnover and bad plays on the offensive side of the ball, unfortunately. So, so yeah, you can't blame one side. It, it's a team – it's a absolutely a team effort. They lost because – they didn't make enough plays on both sides of the ball. The defense, I'll say, they definitely could have gotten at least one more stop in the red zone, and, and maybe they could have forced a turnover. Um, those two things would have been helpful. In fact, my favorite stat of the week came from Nick Wright on a on a pretty epic rant that he had on the air. He talks about what are the odds of winning if you're minus four in the turnover category? So it, when you're minus four in NFL history, um, you have a 0.54% chance of winning. Uh, So so that's not not 54%. I'm talking half of a percent in NFL history, half a percent chance of winning if you're minus four in the turnover category. Taking it a step further, if you have no takeaways, it's even worse. It's 0.44% of the time in history, no takeaways and you're minus four, 0.44% uh, of the time. Uh, the numbers are, are ridiculous. It is, it is you know, 33 wins against 741 losses when you're in the turnover ratio that the Chiefs were this week. Yes, Mahomes does unprecedented things. Yes, this team should be better than that. But when you turn the ball over, you lose. Podcast over.
0: <laughs> we're out of here. <laughs> No, I and I, I just want to make the quick point too. The fact that the defense only gave up 30 points when there's four turnovers, especially three right off the bat, that's actually credit to the defense. With that high powered of an offense, if you're giving them four turnovers, they should be scoring a lot more than that, honestly. I think I, I just think that even points more to how the defense actually held their end of the bargain down. And and like I said, I just we cannot expect this defense to win this team games. It was never supposed to be like that. This defense just needs to be good in situation situations. And I get it. They haven't been. The red zone, they've been awful. Fourth down, they've been awful. They've given up five for six on fourth downs this year. And and, and, and offenses, Hitchens talked about this last, last night, actually. The offenses are going for more fourth downs because they know they can't just give the ball back to Mahomes. The defense needs to be better in those situations knowing that. And they haven't been. At the same time. This, off, it, this team is built around the offense. I already said it, so I don't need to go into it again. But this team is built around the offense. The offense needs to win this team games. And if they're not going to, then this team's not going to win a lot of games. But, the off, that, but that's the whole thing. It's turnovers right now. That's easily correctable. And so that's why it's, it, it, it's hard to be sky is falling kind of right now. But some of you all are. So we're getting into that right now.
1: Yeah, Scott Ham uh, on Twitter, this team looks worse than last year. Running the ball has been the one thing that was saving the offensive line because the pass protection is not working. The sky is falling with, Scott, with Scott's pr- first part of his question that this team somehow looks worse than last year. First of all, do you agree with that statement before we get into the offensive line?
0: I mean, I guess at this current moment, it does look worse than it did last year. I still don't think... When you're talking about what the end result will be, I'm still confident this team will have a better chance than last year's team because of the improvements on the offensive line, because of some of the defensive pieces, something we we still haven't seen this year in terms of like a Willie Gay. I I will just go ahead and say I'm confident this team can still be better than last year's team as an end result.
1: Yeah, this is a better roster. It still is a better roster. Just because they lost a couple games, it doesn't automatically mean the roster is worse. And it's better partially because the offensive line is better partially because a lot of the young players that they're still working in and trying to find ways to use them. So the second half of Scott's question is talking about run, uh, run blocking versus pass protection. So he says the pass protection is not working. Ron, do you agree with that?
0: I don't agree with that. I think the pass protection this game specifically, I think they actually did a pretty good job when you account for the fact that Joey Bosa is a freak of nature, all pro player, that yeah, he's going to get the best of Trey Smith on that one sack in the first half. Yeah. Lucas Niang is not going to do great against Joey Bosa in his third career NFL game. At the same time, there was a lot of clean pockets and there was a lot of move or uh, space for Mahomes to move into at times. And it just seemed like he kept running into his blockers, especially in the first half. It did get better in the second half. I will say at the, in the fourth quarter, Those last two drives, there were some iffy pocket presence moments again. But first half, Mahomes just would refuse to move into the open spaces in the pocket. He tried to throw as he was running into the back of his lineman like twice at least, if not a couple more times. So I think that pocket presence thing is something that has always been a flaw of his. And it just doesn't seem to be 100% corrected. Now, it seems like it gets corrected in spurts. Like I said, second half, it actually looked a lot better. But that needs to just become more consistent. Needs to help out his rookie lineman a little more. But I actually do think they're playing very well right now. Uh, I, I, I think Tooney, Joe Tooney is probably like the weak link right now, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I think the rookie lineman, especially, uh, and I think Brown and Niang both, Niang had, you know, had a bad job against Bosa, I like guess I said. But I think Brown actually played pretty well last yesterday too. So uh, all in all, I think the pass protection, from what you can expect from right now, is actually pretty good. Mahomes needs to help him out a little more.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the Joe Tooney slander there. I think he was pretty good yesterday. Uh, especially on getting out in space and making some blocks like that screen play that, that Clyde scored on was a really nice block by Tooney in space. I think there's a clear philosophy for this offensive line and it is be a wall up front and push the, push the pass rush out wide, right? That's, that's pretty basic offensive line play. And I think they're successfully doing both of those things. Mahomes has have been sacked four times in three games. That is not a pass protection issue. Uh, yes, he was a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, there's been some pressure here and there. You know, talk to me when, when we're taking four or five sacks a game and not able to put anything together offensively because of the pass rush. That has not been the issue. The offense has shot itself in the foot. Uh, I think this offensive line is coming together now, and it's going to continue to get better. And that's why this team is better than last year. We're going to keep coming back to this point. This offensive line is going to continue to gel. They're going to continue to get better as the season goes along young players, new players, all trying to, to play together. And that, that's, you know, symphony between the offensive line play, the quarterback and the running back on those plays. If one, if one bit of that is out of coordination, if, if somebody's timing is a little bit off, if somebody isn't comfortable with where they are, if Clyde, you know, hesitates too long or hits the hole too fast, uh, those are things that, that just take time for it to come together, that timing, the spacing, uh, the coordination between the, the whole you know offense uh, outside of the, the uh, receivers. I think there's a I think there's a really good case to be made that that's already pretty good and it's only going to get better as the season goes along. So offensively, again, stop shooting yourself in the foot. The offensive line is going to only get better.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and that's something we need to all remember as, as fans of this team is that it doesn't matter if they're necessarily great right now. They need to be great in the playoffs. I think we're all still pretty confident this team is making the playoffs. I mean, maybe some of you guys aren't, which is a whole nother story, but it just needs to be better by the playoffs. It needs to be you know, at its best by the playoffs. And another thing I will say, you can already see it improving in the game. First half, they had a screen pass to Clyde that would have been big. But they, the three linemen out in space just completely whiffed on, on a linebacker that shot through all three of them and made the tackle in the backfield. And then you see him correct it second half in that red zone screen. Perfectly blocked, perfectly executed. All three of them got on a great block. Mitchell Schwartz actually pointed to that on Twitter already. So, uh, yeah, I, you're already seeing them improve play by play. And so, I, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think the offensive line has is, is been pretty dang impressive, honestly, to this point.
1: And look at Mahomes' stats if you project it out for the year. I know we've been bagging on Mahomes a little bit, and we're not done with that for today. But project out Mahomes' stats for the rest of the year, he's on pace for 70% completion, 5,013 yards, 48 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 111 quarterback rating. Uh, Would you feel pretty good about that stat line by the end of the year out of Mahomes in this (laughs) offense? Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> forty. I'm surprised it's 48 touchdowns, but I guess he has he has had a at least two or three each game. So uh, there we yeah, go. He's,
1: but he's got nine so far. So you know it's it's uh, the sky's not falling on this offense. It's only going to improve from here. Um, but speaking of the sky is falling questions, man, these hit me these hit me a certain way here. But Steve Wills uh, at one W Steve on Twitter, it appears this court group's window is closing. Is it time to start talking about rebuilding? Reed won't stand for it. He is the de facto GM. Um, Jesus, Rod, are you ready to rebuild this team now?
0: Oh man, this is what happens. This is this is all this is fandom, right? This is this is peak fandom. I love I love overreacting to this kind of stuff. This is what it's all about. Um, no, it is not time to rebuild. We were three games into a, a Super Bowl season. Uh, you know, a season that they still have a absolutely great chance. And by the way, I saw it on Twitter before we started, the Chiefs are actually still the Super Bowl favorites right now uh, to win the Super Bowl. That's, that kind of shows you that, you know, Vegas knows and Vegas isn't overreacting to this team right now. And I think they they have plenty of reason why. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's not time to rebuild. It's, it's, it's pretty funny that uh, we're getting these kind of questions right now. Yeah. yeah, there's retooling that needs to be done at certain positions, but. Rebuild. That's a, that's a very big word uh, to use right now. Stan. Yeah, get it,
1: miss me with that. Get out of here. Um, but he points out the core groups window is closing. I'm not sure what it means by a window closing, but um, I just saw a stat on Twitter at uh, Ben Nielsen at Ben, there, bro. On Twitter, the chiefs have the youngest starting lineup in the NFL, the youngest starting lineup in the NFL Uh, So his two points were that is not good for the rest of the NFL and give these kids a chance to grow up a little bit. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Let's, let's show a little bit of patience for a young team that, that is not, they're not quite getting the contributions out of their young players that we expect them to get by the end of the season. And we'll talk about this as we go along, but remember, there's a lot of players that we were pretty excited about before the season started that have not yet contributed It doesn't mean they're not going to.
0: Yeah. And the core group, I mean, when I hear core group, I'm thinking Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew. Those five. Tyron Matthew's the oldest of the group, and hopefully we get him extended. But the other four of those guys are here for the long term, at least for the next three, four years. I think Tyreek's the only one that probably could use an extension, but it's not like he's not going to get that. Uh, so yeah, I think that's pretty silly on on that part, but We'll move forward to Jason Hammond's question uh, at Jason Ha eight five two zero six two eight two on Twitter. The league has caught up to the chiefs. I don't see the chiefs making adjustments to counter that. The pressing and making mistakes is because the coaches are not making adjustments,
1: man. I don't know. Uh, it, again, it's, it's frustrating. Um, I think there's a lot of adjustments that we think we can see that maybe the defense and the offensive coordinators and the head coach don't see it the same way. So Instead of just ranting about the, these guys, let's, let's put ourselves in their shoes, all right? We're going to play a little game here. Uh, I'm, I'm Andy Reid today, and I'm announcing that Ron is our new defensive coordinator starting this week. Ron, you've got four or five changes you can make just this week to fix all of the issues on the Chiefs' defense. Uh, I'll do the offense. you got the defense. Tell me what adjustments you're going to make from, from your perspective.
0: Okay. So here's the thing. I, I think it's pretty obvious, and I think everyone agrees here. Um, start Thornhill over Dan Sorensen at the free safety position. Uh, Matthew's a strong safety. That free safety in the base defense right now is being occupied by Sorensen. And and I'll shout out some some guys on Twitter asking those kind of questions. Paul Christopherson, Sean Lesney, and Buddy Garrity Sr. All ask about why Thornhill is not being seen on the field over, uh, over Sorensen. Yeah, I, I totally agree, guys. It, it needs to happen. I, I don't know exactly what the uh trade-off is at this point. I'd Sorensen, you know, he's not as not as as uh, you know much of a liability as maybe like a Ben Nieman at linebacker. Um, and we'll get to that. But I, I do think Thornhill's athletic upside, I just think him, you know, uh, playing that position just needs to be something that happens. I just I I don't I really don't get uh, what and, and Sorensen's always been this this really good third safety. It's always been his calling card. And, and he's just not a great second safety. And, and maybe Thornhill will have his lumps still, but I just don't see the benefit of, of, of not putting him in that position to get those lumps. Sorensen's getting lumps, you know, getting lumps too. He's just old, you know, he's not getting, it's not going to help him build at all. So that's my, that's my first thing. Secondly, I know it's not going to completely fix the defense. And I hear people saying like, I don't know why everyone's thinking Willie Gay being asserted in the defense is, is going to, you know, completely fix this. No one is saying that. But it's sure going to help because Willie Gay has the prerequisite athleticism that you need at the linebacker position in today's NFL. None of the other three Chiefs linebackers right now do. I think hating on Nick Bolton – I saw that on Twitter a little bit, the whole, like, Nick Bolton. Dude, it's his third game, and he wasn't supposed to be starting at this point. I don't know why we're – that's a whole other story, but Bolton is fine for what he is. Once you get Neiman out of the game and put Willie Gay in there, I think it makes Bolton look better, first of all. And also, just like makes the whole defense, uh, you know, more athletic at the second level. So Willie Gay in the game, I think that makes a difference. And I hope they have him over Neiman in the dime defense. I don't know for sure, but that's what I would do because I'm the defensive coordinator. So I'd put Willie Gay in that that dime role. Also, I do think Chris Jones, as much as I am kind of defending him at defensive end, I think it's fine to keep him out there for now. And and shout out Garrett Blaine on Twitter, Nate Clocky on Twitter. They asked us questions about Chris Jones at defensive end. I think it's fine him. I think it's fine to keep him out there, but let's move him inside a little more than we're doing right now. It doesn't seem like he's getting rotated in inside. I do think that has something to do with Frank Clark. He's not healthy. He's barely played. He hasn't played in two or three games, and he needs some new hamstrings. That's the fourth thing I would do. Uh, let's let's get some some <laughs> hamstrings from a from a world class sprinter and insert them into Frank Clark, and maybe we'll be okay there. But no, I think Jones. He actually had a pretty good game against the Chargers. I think it didn't look like it because they didn't get a sack, but church did a really good job of, of throwing away from him, and uh, you know throwing really quick, no one could cover anybody, so it's not like Herbert had to stand back there forever. And so actually, Jones did have two quarterback, or no, just one quarterback hit, but he had four pressures. And so I, I think I think that's a little overreactionary to kind of uh, move him completely in, onto the inside because I do think a defensive end, it's kind of it's kind of been a it's been fun, I think, and I think it'll get better and better as the season goes. But I do think once Clark gets healthy, or just maybe even without that, just get him inside a little more. He actually did have a pressure from in the interior, and that I think about it against the Chargers, I need to see that a little more. Those are my four points. I'll hand it off to you, offensive coordinator Matt Stagner. What are you doing more to help this offense?
1: Yeah, first of all, just quick reaction to your defensive changes. I I think you I think that's right on. I mean, there's not much you can do schematically uh, differently. I think Spags still calls a good game. There's still some. Some timely blitzes. There's some some things that um, execution-wise they can clean up. But barring just a, a turnaround in the execution, yeah, let's see Thornhill uh, more with the base defense. It looked like this last week. He got in mostly on those sub packages, mostly on the pass-heavy sets. If you just if you just flop Sorensen versus Thornhill, and and all of a sudden you've got one in on the base. Um, Sorensen on the sub packages, then then I think maybe you're onto something there that it seems like an obvious choice. That who knows what's going on inside the building? Maybe there's something there that we don't know about, but that's a pretty obvious one. Get everybody else healthy, and this defense is, is at least where they were last year, probably ahead of things. And yeah, Chris Jones was, was good this week, and he was good in week one. Uh, last week was just a, a terrible matchup for him. Uh, so I, he, I'm going to give Give him a bogey on that, uh, you know, give him a, a mulligan on last week's game and and say that Chris Jones at defensive end is is working just fine. Uh, you know, let's rotate him around. Let's keep it unpredictable. But uh, I don't have any, any big issues with any of those changes. When it comes to the offense, uh, you know, again, I, I pointed out, Mahomes is on pace for a good season. They've had some untimely miscues that's been the biggest thing that, that's, that's, cost this offense. So, so maybe my first change is, is, I don't know if it's, it's getting more stick getting better gloves, going through the, uh, uh, the program or, or one of those uh, <laughs> football movie uh, uh, drills where they have to carry the damn football around all week and, and try to get it knocked out of their hands. Um, hold on to the football and this team is fine. That's it. I mean, I could stop there and this team would be better. Um I would maybe call more screenplays, uh, get more creative on offense, uh, maybe yep. work in some more of the multiple tight end sets. I, I alluded to this earlier when I said that there's a lot of young players. We have not seen them contribute yet, but I still think they will eventually. Uh, that includes Jody Fortson and and uh, and Noah Gray. I think getting those guys involved in creative ways, Fortson had a nice touchdown grab this week. Gray had his first catch, but we haven't seen that that X factor weapon, that, that uh, Swiss army knife, you know, concept from gray. And, and so getting more creative with how you use some of those young players. If you look at some of the questions we had this week from Jake Wilson um, talks about the tight end usage uh, and Steve Williams talks about the secondary wide receivers uh, along with uh, black health 19. Um, There's a lot of good questions here about those secondary receiving targets So that's my next change that I'd like to see. If you look at the snap counts, Demarcus Robinson is getting a tremendous amount of snaps uh, given his production or lack thereof. Uh, I would love to see, you know, not that there has to be a number two, you know, air quote wide receiver that somebody has to step in here, but I'd love to see them start to transition some of those snaps away from Demarcus in favor of somebody else, anybody else, Uh, and or using those tight ends as that extra wide receiving threat Uh, if you do those things and you're patient with the offensive line as they start to gel uh, this offense is going to be fine you know again let's ramp up the creativity a little bit Uh, let's use more of those innovative screens that we know Andy Reid can do uh, and let's just give them time uh, to gel without making any panic moves on the offense
0: yeah, and and I think you had the easier uh, job, I would say, out of us two, as the offensive coordinator, because that's the other thing, guys. This offense has not been stopped by anybody except for themselves. I mean, who this this offense is rarely punted this year. All their drives that haven't ended in scores have been turnovers. It seems like, especially when you talk about the Chargers game, the first three possessions, all three of those turnovers happened in Chargers territory. They were driving about to. The- either kick a field goal or score a touchdown, hopefully touchdowns. I just – we talk about the second wide receiver thing. Man, I we just saw in week two how they can be really good. Kelsey and Hill were completely taken away. And this offense still couldn't be stopped. They had 35 points through, you know, uh, two quarters and a half of football because Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, and McCole Hardman were having great games. And so I, I, I don't want to I, – I don't think that we need to overreact to – oh, the, the secondary wide receivers are, you know, we need to improve that or, you know, we need to panic about that. This offense has still not been stopped unless they have given the ball up themselves. So before we get to break, I just wanted to say that real quick. I, I think the offense has actually been good. They're just shooting themselves in the foot way too much. And that's just something that's not going to sustain. And that's why it's kind of hard to panic too much because it, unless this offense is just going to turn the ball over three or four times every single game, it's just that's, that, that's not going to happen and, and they'll bounce back.
1: You're right. Through three games, Tommy Townsend has six punts total. Um, so six punts total. Crazy. He had one on Sunday. Uh, he's averaging two punts per game at, at the most. That's not a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure the historical context on that, but I'm pretty sure most punters punt more than twice a game. Yeah, the offense is moving the ball. They're just shooting themselves in the foot. We had a bunch of questions here from, uh, from like Flippant Chris on Twitter, from Aaron. From P.J. Garcia, Whiskey Legs, there's a lot. Uh, Todd Johnson, everybody's asking about should they bring in a new wide receiver? Can we get rid of, you know, Marcus Kemp and or, or some of these other guys? Marcus Kemp had a really bad play in his one offensive attempt this week. Uh, that was super frustrating to see. Um, and so, yes, obviously the thoughts go to Brandon Cooks, John Brown, Josh Gordon. You know, like uh, any – any excitement about, uh, um, you know, Golden Tate or, or Josh Gordon or, or somebody else coming in and saving this offense this year?
0: See, I'm, I'm not with that. I, I'm, I'm not. And, I, and I'm not going to, like, be mad and rant on Twitter if the team decides to do that. I just I don't think that's the re- there, that solves really much of anything and i think we've talked about it before but it is really hard to learn the andy reed offense especially as a receiver he's talked about that he said that that it takes two or three years you know bringing someone in mid season especially come on guys josh gordon is 30 years old now i don't we're not getting the josh gordon that you know had 200 plus yards in two straight games in cleveland like 10 years ago you know i just i think we are that that's overselling a little bit you know a guy like john brown or golden tate you know a veteran receiver that can you know make a big play in a spot you know i don't mind that at all but I just don't think that's like a huge thing that we need to like, you know, that's like a make or break thing. You know, I, I don't, I think these secondary receivers need to catch the ball more, <laughs> but that's, I, I just don't see that being like a huge, like this is, um, you know, between us winning a Super Bowl, not as if we bring in a wide receiver too. I just, I'm not with that, honestly.
1: They've got some options on the roster. It's just about how they use them and how they execute when they're on the field. So Tell you what, at this point, let's let's take a break. Let's get to the sponsors, give them a chance uh, to to do their thing. We'll come back with more of your questions on the Out of Structure podcast. We're going to talk a lot more about the defense, so so be ready for that, Ron. Right after this.
0: All right, welcome back into the Out of Structure podcast. Thank you guys for listening, submitting your questions. I know it's it's a it's a little tougher to listen to a post game pod when when you don't want to hear about how bad your team is, but we're trying to be a little more optimistic than uh, than some of you guys are a little bit. So hopefully that that's 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 being good so far. Thank you guys for joining in, tuning in, and we'll get back into your questions. Uh, Craig Roberts at Lily Skydad on Twitter, he asks, "Is this the worst stretch of games an NFL defense has ever put together? Five straight games allowing thirty points or more." Six of the last seven going back to last season. Now, I, I'll, I'll hand it off to you real quick after I kind of just touch on this. But, man, I, I, I don't know if I, I'm ready to say this is the worst stretch of NFL defense ever. Definitely one of the worst in Chiefs history, I, I maybe would say, um, in terms of statistics. But I also think they played really, really good offenses in that, little, in that stretch he's talking about. Um, if, you, if you think about, you know, just let's go back, Chargers, Ravens, Browns, Buccaneers. The Bills in the AFC championship, they actually played really well against the Bills and actually shut down one of the most high-powered offenses we've seen in the NFL the last couple of years with Josh Allen. So I don't know if I'm ready to say this is one of the worst stretches ever in NFL defensive history, but Stags, do you do you think it is? What do you think on that?
1: No, I mean, I remember, you know, some of the really bad years of the Chiefs defense, you know, the the um, Dick Vermeule era, you know, that, that uh, there, there's been some really bad stretches. The 2018 defense had worse stretches than this, I think. Maybe the stats, yeah. you know, when you're talking statistically, you're talking about the number of points given up each game. Sure, giving up 30 is not good. You don't want to do that. Um, you, you know, most NFL teams aren't going to win when the defense gives up 30. But, no, if, if you watch the games, you know, if, if, you, if you see kind of how the flow of the games go – I, I'm I'm not there yet.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. I and, and like we've already mentioned, I I do think the offense has kind of not helped the defense uh, statistically looking that good. So we'll move on. Uh we got a question from Marco at Mamia goal or momia goal on Twitter. <laughs> Why are Chiefs Mom, defenders missing their oh there we go. I I, th- I think that's uh that's smart. I wish they'd capitalize the IA, but you know, that's beside the point. <laughs> Why are Chiefs defenders missing their assignments so much or blowing coverage? It seems like they are lost at times. That is all. Thanks. Well, thank you for the question. Um, no, I, I, I'll go real quick. Missing a starter in Charverius Ward on the defense, that's not going to help. Uh, you know, he, as, as, as much problems as I have personally, I think a lot of us do have with Ward as a starting cornerback. I don't think he's great, but he knows the defense, and it's a lot better than, you know, two guys that are in their first year of the defense and Hughes and Baker trying to kind of make up for it. And you kind of saw that they went with Fenton instead of Hughes this week uh, to replace him. I think it kind of shows you how valuable the experience is. I think when Hughes only has to be the third corner, maybe they, you know, maybe they're like, "Fine, that's fine." But maybe when he's a second corner and he has to play a lot more, maybe that's when they rely on Fenton's experience a little more. So, I think I think that doesn't help. But also, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, might I, I don't I know I know Mike Williams kind of underrated all of a sudden. He was a top five pick for a reason, guys. Or you know, maybe six or seven that might be one of the best duos in the entire league in terms of wide receivers. And and they have one of the best quarterbacks right now in the league throwing to them. So that's not going to help your defense, but yeah, I, I do think uh, there, there are a little too many big holes in the secondary and, and it is probably a little, a little bit on uh, communication in terms of, you know, there have been a lot, there were a lot of wide open receivers on Sunday. Um, you know, you'd like Matthew to kind of maybe take charge and, and get that fixed, but there's only so much Matthew can do. And I think you saw it on, on, the clips, right? Stags of Matthew was was throwing his arms up quite a bit on Sunday, and I think we're getting kind of tired of seeing that, honestly.
1: Yeah, Don Julio had an, a similar question: Why does everyone look confused before the ball snapped? They also look confused after the ball snapped sometimes. So this is some of those execution issues that we talked about. The Chargers threw some interesting stuff at them, and and they weren't they weren't prepared for it, and they they were struggling to get everybody in the right places. You saw a lot of frustration, a lot of hands thrown between Hitchens and. Matthew, um, those are the two guys that, just like you said, you expect to be lining everybody up, getting everybody in the right spots. And they were pretty frustrated uh, at times. Again, I don't know exactly who to blame for that. Um, as you said, they're missing a couple pieces here and there. I think the Fenton uh, over Hughes might have to do with the size of those targets for the Chargers. And you want Fenton going up against, you know, Allen and Williams uh, because. And you know, we saw it a couple of times yesterday. If it was Hughes or Baker, those 5'10", 5'11", guys uh, against a 6'4", you know, receiver, then, then it was a pretty easy advantage if they just threw the ball up high. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing that they were trying to keep a little bit more size on those guys. And then when Fenton got hurt, uh, then I think some more challenges uh, came after that. So, yeah, some confusion there that needs to be cleaned up, some execution issues there that need to be cleaned up. Um, you know, you've know, you got a couple of guys to do it uh, on the defensive side and, and you got to anticipate that they'll, that they'll clean that up as the season goes along.
0: Yeah, that's a good point on Fenton, actually. I didn't really consider that. But Fenton is kind of, kind of taller, kind of a bigger body. Uh, I think he's above six foot while the other guys are sh- uh, lower than six foot. So that actually makes sense. That, that's a good point. And real quick, too, uh, Hitchens talked about it again, but the Chargers uh, did, did do hurry up in the red zone. And I think that might have been a strategy for them to improve their red zone offense because it was very bad going into the game. But also it's a way to confuse the defense, obviously. And you kind of and, and you saw it. And that's why they were kind of out of position in the red zone at times because they were snapping the ball like with 20, you know, 20 seconds left on the play clock. And you don't usually see that, especially in the red zone. You know, you see a lot of teams take their time and, and it was it wasn't in a situation where they needed to score quickly. It was just, it was just a strategy and it worked. Uh, Austin Eckler's touchdown. I mean, he, there was no one near him when he caught it. So yeah, I, I, I do think that's a good point.
1: Well, we'll for the, for the record, a, I just I just looked it up. Another... They've got Fenton listed at five eleven. So so maybe maybe uh, maybe he just plays bigger than those other guys. Um, or or maybe we're we're missing something there. But uh, I, I do feel like he's a better matchup against a bigger player. He maybe doesn't have the quickness uh, that some of the other guys have. Um, but just like Trevarius Ward. Ward is a really good matchup for Ward uh, for for Ward for Williams and and uh, uh, Keenan Allen, excuse me, because you know he doesn't have the elite quickness or the elite speed, but he's got the size and physicality to compete with those guys.
0: Yeah, and and that's surprising. First of all, I kind of remember in the draft process when we drafted him. I remember thinking Fenton was like six foot six one. Um, so maybe I'm not sure about I'm not I'm surprised that he's he's listed at five eleven. But um, the other thing too. Sneed had a couple really good reps of coverage on Keenan Allen, and he just made an incredible catch. I mean, Sneed had his hands in between uh, Allen's hands, tried to rip it away. Keenan Allen's just one of the best receivers in the NFL for a reason. So I don't think we can, you know, uh, hate on Sneed specifically too much. I think the other corners, they weren't even close to the receivers. So that, that's a whole different story. But we'll move on. Uh, staying on the defensive side, T TKoopaloop at TKoopaloop on Twitter. Here's another sky-falling question. He has a few of them. Now, Now let, uh, let me know if you hear a common theme here, Stags. When to fire Spags? How will Spags be fired? Where will they fire Spags? Who is going to walk Spags out of the building? Why is Spags still coaching? Now, let's not spend and, – and actually, Frank Nitti had a, another question about is Spags seat getting hot. We actually addressed this a little bit on the last pod. We may need, not even need to spend too much time on this. I'll, I'll just say real quick, Spags shouldn't be fired. He's one of the best defense coordinators in the NFL, in my opinion. I think a lot of people hold that opinion. The personnel is not helping him out right now. You know, maybe that's – and we'll talk about Veach in a second, but I just don't think that's the reaction that, that we need right now. I don't think it's on Spags at all, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, until Spags lines up out on the field and gets burned or gets called for a penalty, um, there's not much more that he can do short of that at this point is getting out on the field and making something happen. So, no, Spags isn't going anywhere. Get out of here with that take – all due respect uh, the next questions from 58 heaven at go chiefs thirty-two thirty-two, 32 and a related question from Stefana KC royalty 25 um, is Veach overrated and, and why can't he seem to draft any impact players along the defensive line? So is there, is there an issue with Brett Veach and his uh, personnel decisions?
0: First of all, I, I don't want to make opinions on his personnel decisions three games into a season because we need a full body of work and it's a long season. So come back to me with this question after the season. Second of all, on the impact players along the defensive line, I mean, since Veach has taken over, it's not like, and I know Breland Speaks is, and I didn't include Breland Speaks in our rundown actually. I was, I, Breland Speaks is a, is a very bad miss and, and you got to give him, you know, you got to blame him for that. But He's drafted Derek Naughty, who turns out to be a a very good starter against the run. Not much pass rush juice, but hey, you know, he was always drafted to be just that nose tackle type. Colin Saunders has developed into a decent depth piece. I know we still maybe want to see more, but in 36% of the defensive snaps on Sunday, he did get that pressure that uh, hurt Herbert's hand and looked like maybe Herbert was going to have to deal with that, although it didn't look like it affected him at all, but he did get the pressure on that. Mike Dana for a fifth round pick. I mean, that's pretty good return on investment. I mean, you can trust him to start in Frank Clark's place. He got a sack, even though, you know, hey, it wasn't the greatest sack. I mean, you know, it was kind of one of those, you know, great coverage. So uh, Herbert had to hold on to the ball for a while. One of the only times he did have to. Uh, Good on Dana to finish it. He he actually did tie the team lead with Chris Jones and pressures on Sunday. Had two quarterback hits besides the sack, according to PFF. And then we'll get to Joshua Kando, who, it's funny, uh, you know, you called me out on this. I actually, before I looked at the snap counts, I was like, Kando didn't really play, right? He might have been a DNP. Apparently he played 18 snaps. And so I think you noticed him a little more than I did. Uh, I, I guess he didn't make much of an impact in my eyes, but he's a rookie. He's supposed to always be a developmental pick. And he shouldn't even be playing if your $23 million year defensive end Frank Clark is playing. So I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, but he's he's drafted guys. From where he they were drafted, it's not like they're busts or anything. I think he's actually been had a pretty decent track record besides Breland and Speaks. You know, you know, Naughty Saunders, third round picks, Dana the fifth round pick. I don't know. You we all want Saunders to be a little more than he is right now, but there's not much else you can maybe ask for. But I don't know. What do you have to say about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can nitpick on the fact that they've traded away their early round picks instead of using them on impact defensive players. Um, I'll, I'll hear that argument, you know, not saying that if you knowing the information you knew at the time, I I still think you'd want those trades to be made. Uh, but in hindsight, could you have done better than Frank Clark with the draft capital that they used for him? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, the Orlando Brown trade, I still think was a good trade and, and smart of them, but you look and see that, that, that pick that they got, uh, the Ravens got in the first round they used on the the player that basically won them the game on the defensive side of the ball last week. So, you know, early round defensive players have a much better chance at being impact players. It's a, it's a shocking statement. I know uh, they haven't used a lot of early round picks on, on impact type defenders. You know, I, I think the, the Nick Bolton pick is the one that perplexed me at the time. I didn't think he was a great fit for what this defense really needed. So that one I, I'm, I might be second guessing already, but I was second guessing that right when they made it anyway. So uh, we'll see how that one plays out. The rest of these guys that you listed, Kando, Dana, Saunders, Nadi, they're all, you know, mid-round picks with mid-round production, you know, and and Kando with with the upside. He was drafted for upside. He's not there yet. Obviously, when I saw him on the field this week, he was uh, struggling. He he got blocked uh, pretty 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 resoundingly uh, by, by first-round pick Rashawn Slater uh, on, the, on the offensive line of the Chargers. So, you know, jury's out on Kendo. The rest of those guys are contributors, maybe not impact players, but do you get impact players early in the draft?
0: Oh, yeah, I think that's a good point, um, and, and that's all we need to say about that. Real quick, we'll hit on a couple of you guys, D-Rex, at D-Rex Crypto. And D1 Pops at Derek57837223 on Twitter asked about the PI at the end of the game, the Andre Baker PI. Look, CBS did not give us a good replay of that. I'm not sure why. I wish they would have. Um, they kind of just ignored it. That was a very pivotal play. And, it, and, and you know, from the angle we could see, and I, I'd love to see it on Coach's thumb, which we actually have now. Thank you, NFL. Um, it, it, it's weird. It, it, it didn't seem like a DPI to me. And that was a very pivotal play. Obviously, it was fourth and nine. The game is tied. The offense would have got the ball back with a little less under, a little less than a minute left with a timeout. They had another chance to, uh, you know, drive and score a touchdown. But yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. It was kind of a weird play call that we didn't get a replay of.
1: I really hate blaming the game on the refs. I I really do. It feels like such a cop out. It feels like a, a loser's uh, mentality. It feels like a. Uh, a you know, you're trying to take some consolation prize out of the game to say we would have won if it wasn't for the refs. So I, I'm not going to play that card. Uh, but I do think the the pass interference call um, was a bad call. I, I don't think I didn't see that play, or I didn't see the the pass interference on that play. I don't see how you call it in that situation. Um, I even think the pass interference on Sneed was was questionable as well. And I and absolutely think. On that last play, on the Hail Mary, you know, yes, Hail Marys are called. You know, they let them play. They let them jump. As long as everybody's going after the ball, then it, then it's a fair game. Those defenders were not going after the ball. Kelsey was tackled. Tyreek was face-guarded and wrapped up well before the ball got there. That no call, you know, seems pretty obvious. And, and obviously, that changes the, the outcome of the game, you know, a game like this where we're all venting our frustrations, we're all questioning the composition of this team. And had they called pass interference there and the Chiefs had one more play and they scored a touchdown and won the game, would we still be having these same conversations? Because statistically, again, the Chiefs did pretty well. It's just the outcome of the game that's making us question everything. And so, yeah, it was sort of a perfect storm of turnovers, of questionable calls, and, and things just bouncing you know, the, the chargers way in this game that, that, that flipped it, flipped the script a little bit. Yeah. I I think, I think there were some bad calls there, but I think, you know, you, I think you made this point earlier. You don't want to leave it up to the refs. You don't want to put yourself in that situation where a bad call uh, ends the game. You know, they, they shouldn't have been there. They, they should have, they should have had a lead. They should have moved the ball. They shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have gotten, made it so close to where that was the issue.
0: Yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, check it out. Uh, BK tweeted it or B, you know, uh, Brandon Kylie our guy or I probably tweeted a video of it and then actually I believe Terry McCauley is the Sunday Night Football rules analyst guy, I think a former referee. He blatantly said, you know, that's that's DPI, it should have been called. And so that's that's pretty, you know, it obviously like you just said. I don't need to repeat anything you just said, but it is it is pretty, you know, blatant. The guy facing Tyreek Completely hugging him, taking away his arms, not even letting him get a chance to go up there. So, yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll just not leave it up to them next time. But uh, we'll go. To, we'll get to a few quick offensive questions, and then and then we'll we'll wrap this up for you guys. Uh, Tyler Berger, at Tyler J Berger on Twitter, he asked "At what point does Mahomes officially enter Brady territory where he can cancel out Reed's conservative calls?" I think what he's trying to say there is is by is is the fact that you know maybe if Andy Reid has a like that run on the when they got the ball back with two minutes and 14 seconds left before the two minute warning he hands off to Clyde maybe he's saying you know Mahomes needs to take over and say hey we need to throw it right here I don't you know I don't think that should ever be the case I think Mahomes is still a young enough guy where Andy you know gets the benefit of the doubt there it's just I believe it was a bad bad play call do you have anything to add to that stuff
1: Mahomes already has a pretty good amount of leeway within this offense. They run a lot of run pass options, which by definition means that Mahomes has the option to throw the ball, and he most of the time is going to play more aggressive. If you look at the play call that uh, we were just looking at right before the this podcast started, towards the end of that last drive, uh, when Mahomes, or actually the drive before when Mahomes threw that interception to Kelsey, it was third and eight and the receivers basically ran all goes, right? They were all 20 yards downfield. That's not a conservative play call. That's an overly aggressive play call and, a, and poor execution on Mahomes's part. But I don't think that we're sitting here because Andy Reid was too conservative and Mahomes didn't have enough say in being aggressive or not. Mahomes was plenty aggressive. In fact, you can argue that it was a little too aggressive. On that particular play, with a what was it like a minute forty left? You'd like to see them move the move the chains, get you know get that first down and then go from there as opposed to having to punt the ball right back. So uh, I think uh, and and punt being arm punt in this case <laughs> with Mahomes turning that thing over. So um, I, I think they're plenty aggressive. Mahomes does have enough leeway. I don't see that as an issue. Now Richard Houston on Twitter asks. Why can't we use Clyde in the passing game more? this This to me does still feel like an issue. You saw a glimpse of it this week with a beautifully executed screenplay for a touchdown. Now, the screenplay before that got got blown up, right? So, but I would love to see more wheel routes and and actual receiver routes run by Clyde because he can do that. He's shown that he can do that uh, in in the college game. That's a little bit of the creativity that I think is missing still in that relationship.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I I do think Clyde actually won bright spot besides the runs. Uh, He actually had a couple really good blocks on, it it was a jet sweep on one of them on the edge, pancake the guy, not, you know, like a true pancake, but got him to the ground with a good chip. And then also on a sprint out to the left, Mahomes, uh, with Mahomes rolling out, he blocked the guy and sealed the edge for Mahomes. So that stuff is going to help him stay on the field for third downs. And if he can keep proving as a good blocker, that's going to help them, you know, keep him in, like I said, on third downs. And then so the offense doesn't know if he's going to stay in the block or run a route. Hopefully that translates to more route running. Maybe that's just something they're not showing right now because maybe they don't really need to. You know, I mean, the off, like we've mentioned over and over, the offense is moving the ball. And so it, it is kind of funny. Maybe this is, this is a little package thing that, you know, Andy likes to save some stuff a little bit. We'd like to still see it and, and get it going before like the end of the season, but. Maybe that's something that's happening, but I I still would like to see it more. Trash Panda at Bourbon for Prez on Twitter. This is kind of a funny question. Why can't we just run regular plays where people get open and Mahomes drops in the pocket and just makes a regular pass where wide receiver is meant to be? I can't help but laugh a little bit on that question. I mean, hey, yeah, I I wish it was that easy too, but it's the NFL and, and teams are taking away a lot of the stuff that Mahomes has done in his NFL career. But also, guys, like we keep saying, the offense has moved the ball. It's not – wide receivers have dropped passes. They've turned over the ball. This offense is moving the ball. It's just – it is a little funny that, you know, we're still trying to be like, why can't we do this on offense? You know, it's just like, what do you think about that question?
1: Yeah, this sort of gets back to this point that we thought this season would be different because of the offensive line improvements – that this offense could just line up and do what they want to do and not have to rely on trick plays uh, you know, or, or heroics by Mahomes. The idea is that this offense should be more balanced. They should just be able to out-execute their opponents. So far, that's not happening. It doesn't mean that it won't, but so far, the execution hasn't been there for them to be able to just line up and run a predictable play and have a good, predictable outcome. Uh, that hasn't happened enough yet, but like you said, the offensive production hasn't been bad. Uh, they've just shot themselves in the foot enough that it that it feels worse than it is. So let's end this thing on a more optimistic note. Let's talk a little bit about how they, the Chiefs move forward from this. Um, so Andres Ed, uh, Edardo on Twitter, is this loss better for the Chiefs in the long run? Maybe not even this year, maybe in the future. Is it just – and I'm going to expand it and say not just this loss, but the way they've started this season, does it somehow help them in the future?
0: I'm kind of over moral victories a little bit. I think last week it was was an easy opportunity to say, hey, uh, the defense was not good, still had a chance to win. The offense probably should have won it without the fumble. And so that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a moral victory maybe because the offense still wasn't the opportunity. They just fumbled it away. You can say, hey, it's just a fumble. That's not going to happen again. When it becomes two losses in a row, especially against a division rival, especially when the, the Broncos and the Raiders are 3-0, and and I know we're not supposed to freak out about that, but they do look pretty damn good, honestly. I know the Raiders kind of squeaked out against Miami, but Denver, their offense is pretty damn efficient and their defense is looking good. So my point is I'm kind of over moral victories. You can't have too many moral victories as a Super Bowl contender. If you're losing, you're losing, and it's hurting you. Now they have to make up ground. So, I'm not really one to say that losing two in a row is going to help them in the future, um, especially because they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. I just, I know it's going to get better. I'm confident it'll get better. It's just, I, I don't, I, I'm not one to say that these losses are going to necessarily help them directly, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think about uh, that?
1: So, Thomas Ramirez at T underscore E underscore R underscore 03 on Twitter, uh, he asked this question. He says the last time they struggled this early in the season, it turned out pretty well. Uh, you know, and I think he, there's something to be taken from that. The Super Bowl champion season didn't start off, you know, all roses, right? They had to fight through some adversity that season. You know, if you look at a lot of championship teams, that's what they do is they they go through a time in the season where it doesn't look good uh, and it comes out in the end. It's like it's like watching any sports movie that's ever been made, right? There has to be some adversity, for them to rise above it and to come out a champion on the other end, so sure, I'll, I'll say it's it's more not that they would prefer to go through that adversity, but I'm just saying this is sort of how it works. It's not all going to be smooth. They're not going to win every single game. the The idea of twenty and zero was fun, you know, for for one week, but uh, after that, you know, it's really. There's always going to be adversity. They were always going to have some losses. They just happen to have bunched them up together at the front front end of the season, so it feels terrible. But the the other positives that you could say, maybe not this season, but in the future, you know, go back to that stat about the Chiefs being the youngest starting lineup in the NFL. If you get all these young guys on the field early, um, build some experience, build some some knowledge base, uh, get those reps in early. Uh, that could benefit them in the long run. Uh, guys like Nick Bolton, learning on the job, might make him a better linebacker uh, in the end. So you know, may, maybe in that regard.
0: Yeah, and and honestly, when he said the last time we struggled in the season, it turned out good. Um, I honestly, you're right. The 2019 season definitely fits the bill. I think they were six and four. I, w- I want to say uh, at that uh, at one point in the season before they went on the run, I was actually uh, my first thought went to 2015. When the Chiefs started one and five with Alex Smith at quarterback, and and they went on to win the playoffs, actually won their first playoff game in twenty years of that season. Crazy enough. My thing with that is, is kind of like Andy has that track record. He did that with Alex Smith at quarterback. I gotta imagine he can he can, and it's only one and two. It's not one and five, but he can bounce back with a way better quarterback. Obviously, I do I do want to say though the the schedule is not getting any easier. It's gonna get a little easier. But there are some really good teams on the Chiefs' schedule in the middle of the season and towards the end of the season, especially when you consider how many divisional games, those are never easy. They have a lot of those late in the season. So it is going to be a grind. It is not it, in 2015, they had a lot of backup quarterbacks they were playing, injured teams they were playing at that end of the season. So, I, but Andy's got the track record. And let's end here Pablo Lozano at casual Pablo on Twitter. He's going to be optimistic for us, and he's going to let us end the end this podcast on an optimistic note. We've been hearing lots of negative takes with good reason, but I want to hear your positive takes on the current situation. And he says for his positive is it's early, and I think that's what we're getting at right here. There's a good chance the team can fix their issues and start to click at the right time, but he gave us an opportunity to, uh, you know, what we think is a positive takeaway from this kind of this rough start right now. I'll let you start on this one, Staggs. What are some of the things that you are kind of optimistic about, even in this one and two start?
1: Yeah, I think I've said it already today, but the offensive line starting to gel. I think this is a good group. They're showing their talent. There's a lot of highlight plays from this offensive line across the board, especially with guys like Trey Smith. I think this offensive line is going to continue to get better. They're already playing at a good, competent, high level. That's going to improve. You saw this week the run game took a step forward. I thought some of those plays today were blocked or I'm sorry, this week were blocked up tremendously for Clyde and Clyde made the most of them. I thought the running game, you know, again, you, you see Clyde go over hundred yards. Uh, the team rushed for 186 yards on a 6.2 average. That is a substantial uh, run game. And that is the type of run game that's going to win you a lot of games or, or keep this offense balanced so that they can win a lot of games uh, going forward. So, with the offensive line and the run game, uh, I think you've got something you can build on uh, on the offensive side. When Mahomes and the passing offense uh, can kind of get through some of their their issues and, and the team cleans up their their, um, their turnovers, this offense is going to be formidable as it comes down the stretch.
0: Yep, and I know we, we say you can't blame the defense and, and neither of us have a positive defensive takeaway in this question. Um, my takeaway is just, that the offense really is moving and grooving, guys. I know the, turn, the, the turnovers are the only thing, and, and that's shooting themselves in the foot. You mentioned the six punts. They are not punting. They are not being stopped by the opposing defense. They are stopping themselves. They are making bad plays to create these turnovers. And so if the turnovers aren't happening, especially like L.A., think about it. They like I already mentioned earlier, they could have scored in those th- first three possessions, three touchdowns. That's 40 plus points they put up on the board. If you, I know it's not exactly how it works, but if you just add it on to the end of their score, they could have put up 40 plus against Baltimore if they didn't fumble at the end. And I know Cleveland, they put up 33, and that was more of a struggle too, for sure. But this offense is putting up points. They just need to stop shooting themselves in the foot and they'll get to those 40 point totals. That's my positive takeaway. They can't, the turnover luck only goes so far. They're on the wrong side of it right now but just as everything averages out, they're going to be on the right side of it eventually. And it's going to end up winning them, you know, some games where they put up 40 or even, maybe even close to 50 that often, this offense still has the capability to do that. And especially with your point on the offensive line with that, keep, with that steadying improving, this offense is going to hit it's, it's uh, you know, it's stride at the right time. It looks like.
1: Yeah. With uh, I think a good place to end Philip Forrester's question Um Basically just calling out, why are we bailing so quick? Do we not remember what the Chiefs team was before Andy Reid? You know, and then the scutinist talks about how his confidence that this coaching staff is going to figure it out. I think that is another positive going forward. As much as we question them on bad games, you've got a hell of a coaching staff uh, led by Andy Reid. And so I just want to finish with a, a positive wish, some positive thoughts for Andy Reid and his health and making sure that he's – He's back uh, on his feet and, and leading this team because as long as Andy Reid is at the helm and Patrick Mahomes is there, you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. And we're not going to have to have these post-game, post-loss uh, you know, podcasts where all we have to talk about is what went wrong. Next week, let's talk about what went right uh, as the Chiefs turn this thing around. So Ron Cobb, Jr. and Matt Stagner, this is the Out of Structure Podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Make sure you rate and review and catch the rest of the Airhead Pride Podcast Network lineup. A lot of good stuff being put out there. And your viewer, your listening, uh, is what makes it all possible. We super appreciate you spending the time and, and being here and being part of this thing. So thanks for your questions. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next week on a positive note. Ron, talk to you today.